Welcome to the Love and Sex Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Jensen. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in high conflict couples. This specific episode today is going to be identifying, do I have a high conflict relationship? And then if I do, what are some tools and strategies that I can use to better understand how my relationship got here and how to get out of what can be a roller coaster of emotions and a really difficult dynamic? Okay, so let's start. What are the characteristics of a high conflict relationship and the characteristics of a high conflict relationship from my point of view is that these couples are highly reactive towards one another Uh, they have intense and very frequent disagreements there's a lot of hostility resentment anger and you can't resolve conflicts effectively Uh, These can be based on personality flaws and individual shortcomings, but not all the time is it just based off of somebody being a problem in the relationship. Instead, you have to go into the deeper dynamic aspect of your relationship. There are some key things that I've seen with working with couples uh, with high conflict is that there are a lot of unmet needs unresolved past traumas and communication breakdowns. Unmet needs can be, we can get into this cycle called a quid pro quo relationship, meaning I feel like my needs are so deeply unmet in this relationship and I don't feel very amenable to your needs. So I want you to showcase that you are listening to me, that what my needs I've, I've stated are important to you. And once you've shown that, then I'll do that for you. What often happens in that context, though, is these couples will really just start to um, avoid each other. Um, and they will stop asking for what they need. Um, or when it does inevitably come up, it, it is a huge com- communication breakdown. And honestly, what you're trying to get across can't even be heard at this point. It's really important to understand that triggering is a big part of this, right? And we get triggered when our brain assumes a threat. And if our communication dynamic, our needs, um, our certain feelings are being expressed, our brains can take that information and call them a threat. So no matter even how nicely you try to use this information or how well you word it, your partner's brain is still assuming the threat. Um, And so it gets you really locked into what's the point, right? Like if we can't get anywhere, what's the point? so this creates further aggression and further withdrawal but it what it's really important to note here is that these are protective strategies that we use when we avoid issues we're trying to protect ourselves when we fight for issues we're trying to protect our needs we're trying to inevitably save ourselves in this relationship uh, to get somewhere, to move forward. Couples who really stop fighting and become very apathetic um, really have decided in, in their own heads that conflict never gets anywhere. And so what's the point? And that apathy just erodes the relationship just as much as all the conflict does. Um, 
also, I tend to work with a lot of couples where one or both partners has had significant trauma in their past history. Uh, significant trauma impacts the brain and how it's wired, how we function when it comes to the sharing of needs. We can do uh, go into a lot of hyper-independence behaviors. Um, we definitely feel uh, threatened by our partner's needs, right? And this could be because of our upbringing. It could be because of trauma from our past fights in the relationship, right? So it's really important that one, if you are uh, if you are identifying with anything that I'm saying, please don't try to do this alone. Trying to navigate a high conflict relationship without support um, is is really really challenging, and often um, things might get better for a little bit of time, but it's really hard to see what you can't see. Okay, Uh, our brains filter a lot of information through its own lens. And if that lens is left unchallenged, we won't be able to see what our partner needs us to see. We won't even be able to see what we need to see. There's a quote that I really love that says, it's not what you're looking at, but it's what you see. When we are in high conflict relationships, our brain protects itself by looking for threats, meaning we become hypervigilant to what our partner's eyes do, what their body language says, what that means, um, you know, the words that they use, we pick it apart. Um, Our brain is doing that because it is saying, I want you to make sure you're seeing all the threats, right? Even if there's good reasons that the threat exists, but you can't get out of that threat mindset without having a different perspective. And so having a very well-trained clinician who can help challenge some of these perspectives and point out where um, what you're misinterpreting, what you're not seeing, not only in yourself, but in your partner. Okay, so step number one, please don't navigate this on your own. Get a counselor. Make sure that when you are looking up counselors, you are looking up counselors who have specific training in couples therapy approaches. Now there's lots of different couples therapy approaches out there and there is not a one size fits all approach. It's really important that when you are searching couples uh, therapists that you are looking at what their therapeutic approach is for trauma, okay? And then you're going and doing your own research on that therapeutic approach to see if you align with it. I work with Gottman Method Therapy. There is Emotionally Focused Therapy. Uh, There's Imago Therapy. Go look some of those approaches up to see which ones you align with. And then a lot of those, um, the research you will do will be from the institutes themselves and you can find a listserv of certified and trained clinicians utilizing search tactics in your area. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is get some support with self-regulation. If you are not understanding how your body is responding to conflict, if you are very reactionary, if you're very avoidant, you have to understand why. You have to do your own personal work here. Our central nervous systems are responsible for that fight, flight, freeze, fawn mode. Okay, and our central nervous system is activated when a part of our brain called the amygdala assumes a threat. It could be a date, a tone, a word, a smell, a touch, any of that. And our brain automatically overrides 
what we're trying to do in that moment and goes and reverts back into old patterns and narratives. So you need to get on an individual level a really good idea of what your brain responds to as a threat. You need to know what your triggers are and you need to do some personal work into why those triggers exist. And then you need a self-care and emotional regulation plan. You really have to um, distract yourself when that triggering response comes back on. Using hot and cold therapies is really helpful. If it's cold where you're at or if it's really hot where you're at, go outside for a walk. If it's safe, um, splash your face with some cold water, drink a hot cup of tea. Um, Any of those strategies, holding ice in your hand and releasing it, Um, And obviously being mindful not to hurt yourself when you're using these strategies. Uh, That's a good place to start moving into a deep breathing cycle after using the hot and cold therapies. I love what's called the 7-Eleven breath. So a breath, uh, an intake breath to the count of seven and an out breath to the count of 11, doing that to calm your heart rate. And then go and listen to a podcast, a song, read a book, get your mind moving towards new information. This is just going to help that overwhelm and that build up um, that that triggering can uh, can elicit in you. A great way to know if you're triggered is monitoring your heart rate. Um, noticing what your heart rate is at rest and then when you are in a fight like are you feeling withdrawn or you and your partner are escalated and fighting seeing how your heart rate goes up for people who work out a lot this is you're usually triggered when you're 80 beats per minute or more uh, specifically with just the regular average joe it's about 100 beats per minute or more if you have adhd somewhere in the realm of 120 beats per minute or more means you're in active fight or flight so getting a chance to know your nervous system and how it responds you might not even know that you're getting triggered but your body knows that you're getting triggered okay Uh, and and the last and final thing until you understand how your triggers work conflict should be for the therapist's office okay we when we are triggered we have zero capacity to practice empathy and take in new information, which is extremely important if you're trying to have a conflict discussion. So obviously you wanna process your feelings right then and there, but you have to have a new strategy. So if both of you are self-regulated, then you can continue in the conflict discussion, okay? And what does conflict mean? Conflict is where we have a very different perspective about the same issue or event. That's not a bad thing. Arguing is, I believe there's one way to look at how this situation went and it's mine and not yours, which automatically makes the other person feel dismissed. And so what you're gonna have is a lot of talking over each other so you need to be regulated and then you need to be in a place where you can accept that there is a different perspective from your own you're not in the first stage of anything trying to solve the issue you are trying to make it safe for there to be a different perspective and both of you are committed to ensuring that you are You are being curious with open-ended questions, meaning you're asking questions that you can't answer with a yes or no, okay? So you're inviting stories. You are validating your partner's emotional experience and not, if you could see me air quotes, the facts of their situation. So let me give you an example of this. 
validating somebody's emotions can be like, I can understand that based off of, you know, coming home really tired from work and hearing me ask what's for dinner, you got really upset by that because you were already really tired and made this assumption that I meant you had to cook dinner versus I'm so sorry you got upset that I asked you what's for dinner. That second response is not validation. The first response is saying, I can understand based off of what you interpreted that it brought up a feeling for you. Um, and, and, and that's gonna be validating. It does not mean agree, okay? Doesn't mean that I have to side with you. It doesn't mean that it changes my perspective. So you wanna make sure that each of you get an opportunity to have your side heard and to really showcase through curiosity, summarization, and validation that each of each other's perspective is heard, acknowledged, and honored, okay? I will make um, more uh, podcasts about how to actually then take it forward and how do you address what we call gridlock conflict. And gridlock conflict is when you know, we can never find a resolution. So we just either avoid it like the plague or it becomes this explosive thing and we never get anywhere. There are, there are steps in navigating gridlock conflict, but your first step is always that speaker listener role where you're leaving space for there to be a different perspective. Take these tools and these tips. Let me know what you think. If you have questions, feel free to reach out to me. Also check out the blog that I have up on my website that comes out weekly at soniajensen.com and connect with me on the social media platforms. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, at uh, the Sonia Jensen. I look forward to connecting with you and sharing more tips and tools on navigating different difficult and challenging relationships.